The following program was produced by a community producer. The content, views, and opinions expressed are the sole responsibility of the community producer and do not reflect Malden Access Television, the City of Malden, or your cable provider. MATV welcomes your comments. Call us at 781-321-6400 or email us at access at matv.org. Hello and welcome to Malden 02148. I'm your guest host this evening, Ed Lucy, and I have as my guest Gabriella Snyder Snellback of the Bread of Life. Hey Ed, thanks for having me on. Well, I'm delighted to have you as a guest, and uh, we have a lot to talk about. I, 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 and and uh, you just had an open house uh, recently, a week ago Saturday. Yeah, perfect. I'm glad you brought that up because we've uh, before COVID, we used to have this wonderful event every year that was a, a banquet, and we'd have it at Anthony's, and we'd invite all the volunteers, the pantry, the meals, the office, the Everett Pantry, all the different programs, and have a, we figured, well, people are volunteering all the time. We'll have you sit down, and we'll serve you a, a meal. Well, we haven't been able, and we'd have awards, volunteers of the year and special recognition so of course covid did away with that maybe next year so instead this year a few weeks ago we did uh, an open house at the uh, our temporary pantry site and you came thank you for stopping by uh, it was a gorgeous day right we had great weather and we just wanted to do a little thank you and, and just show people our temporary quarters so uh, our pantry and warehouse for the food is now at 109 Madison. And uh, we, um, we also were able to introduce our new volunteer coordinator, Eileen Mullen. We just hired her a few months ago. Um, first time we've had a volunteer coordinator in some years. And we finally uh, got the, you know, the budget to do it and be able to expand that. So you were able to meet her and get a little tour and... Take some seeds. We had little gift bags. We already planted. Did you? Yes. Yeah. But uh, you got some and, and, and as a matter or? of fact, there's two other things that are that, that are oh. part of that. One of which is that um, there is a connection between Bread of Life and Ed Lucy indirectly. In that, uh, uh, some years ago, uh, the insurance agency Lucy Insurance, which is now uh, on Eastern Avenue, yep. but it was at a um, a different address on Eastern Avenue was at 54 yes, Eastern Avenue. That's right. And um, that was before Bread of Life was occupants of that uh, address. Right. But prior to as a quick story in history, that was also the address for Volpe Construction Company. That's and right. uh, those of, of you that are aware of it, but the Volpe Construction Company was a well-branded uh, and very successful uh, business in Massachusetts. And the the, the uh, owner and founder was um, John Bopey, who ultimately became governor of Massachusetts. Right. He was also ambassador to the Vatican after his governorship. Mm-hmm. But um, he had a brother that worked in, in, in the business with him named Peter. And, we f- and that, that business had transferred out of Malden years ago. And so what happened was after we occupied, the, it's right across from uh, Dunkin' Donuts on the f- on the lower numbers of Eastern Avenue. Mm-hmm. And we used to get mail to, P- to Peter Volpe, and I couldn't imagine how we could be getting mail <laughs> for a company that had been out of business, out of Malden at least, for a long time. Oh, well, when I visited Bread of Life that Saturday and I told that story, it turned out there was a legitimate reason why, and it shows you the dependability of the post office, because that Peter... Bobby that they referred to was a, was a newer generation. Yeah. And that made sense. It wasn't the brother of the governor. It was a it was a nephew or a grandnephew. I think it th- could be a grandnephew right. that has the scaffolding company that's actually almost next door. There's an auto body place, but then the scaffolding 
uh, comes around that. Yeah. Uh, they stayed scaffolding. I can't remember the exact name. Oh, but yeah, interesting. Peter Volpe. Yep. yep. So after we vacated that premise, uh, Bread of Life moved in, and now they're, they, they've got yeah. big plans beyond what they've been doing for years. And, m- and maybe for the uh, a few people in Malden who aren't aware of Bread of Life, maybe you could kind of give a quick history of, of, of the Bread of Life. It's been in existence approximately how long? Since 1980 was the real start of it. So Bread of Life is the largest free uh, food program in the, this north uh, Boston area. And we started right around the corner from here. It uh, was started by a church, St. Paul's Parish, that's still there right up the street on the corner of Washington and Florence. And, uh, to feed people. Uh, to feed people. I remember that. So it was, yeah. free, it was a free meal. It really started as a church program for the church families to come and have a potluck, 1980. Um, the pastor there was a father, uh, Jurgen Leas. And uh, because you can imagine, one of the things that started in the 80s was the homelessness crisis. That's when it first became really evident in cities across the country. And it had started and flared up in, in Boston. And so a couple homeless guys walked into the church supper and wanted to eat. It's a potluck. So the women of the church got together with the pastor, Father Elias, and decided that instead of doing potluck, they would do one meal and then anybody could come. And they called themselves the Cooks for Christ. And within a few years, by the time I came to Malden in 1985, um, several other churches had said, oh, we want to be part of this. So then there were... 12 churches and expanded to to five nights a week uh four nights a week excuse me and uh eventually today we still have the meal program and it's uh still four nights a week Uh, i'll get into that later and we have something like 40 partner groups schools businesses like encore boston harbor or um bny mellon and all, all all different the rotary clubs in uh, several cities, Malden, Everett, Medford, Melrose, Wakefield, Peabody. We have temples. We have um, um, Islamic centers. We have all kinds of people participating in the meals. Yeah, and and, and uh, the other thing I think, too, perhaps, is uh, uh, there was someone I knew um, um, w- years ago when you speak about St. Paul's that uh, yeah. He would go there uh, sometimes to get meals, and he yeah. was a, he was a single guy that went to I went to school with, it and uh, he did okay through life, but he did, wasn't uh, well off. Didn't have a lot of extra cash. Yeah, yeah and so mm-hmm. ultimately, what mm-hmm. would happen mm-hmm. would be the, there are people who are not homeless but are still in need of uh, nutrition. That's mm-hmm. a great point because yeah. that would be a real mistake to have that impression that. Um, absolutely is not just for the homeless. That's a, a minority. There might be maybe 10% of the people on any given night or, who are homeless. Most of the people in those days, uh, some people in long-time Malden residents would remember this, there were more rooming houses, a low-cost option where people who were, you know, working or on fixed income could live, but you didn't have full kick- cooking facilities. So we'd get people f- who lived in rooming houses, we always got senior citizens and still do. Uh, we get people who are disabled. We get people who just want companionship. And from that program grew within a few years. I joined Bread of Life in 88, so I've been with them 33 years now. Uh, from that program grew the pantry. So now Bread of Life serves a million meals, and uh, the majority of those are through our pantry programs. So we have a Malden pantry that serves 13 cities, we have an Everett pantry that was at Everett City Hall, but now was uh, a grab-and-go at the Lafayette School in Everett every Thursday. You can drive through or you can walk up every Thursday. Um, we have um, a backpack project, so we distribute nutrition backpacks in the Everett Public Schools. We have uh, still delivering meals and groceries to motels of sheltered um, for sheltered families and individuals who are uh, unhoused and they're they're temporarily housed there by usually by state agencies until housing can be identified Um, and we partner with um, a a local program housing families and being able to provide food for one of these shelters so we provide uh, like three meals a day for 
um, all the residents of this particular shelter. Um, and let's see what else. Oh, we have a grocery delivery program. So we deliver to about 900 households a month, door-to-door boxed groceries. That's produce, dairy, bakery, meat, fish, and non-perishables, about 25 pounds to mainly senior citizens. Now, do they, get, do they get the delivery once a month, or is it more frequent than that? It depends. Some of them, in partnership with um, Mystic Valley, it's like some of the big um, housing developments, like the ones you could think of in Malden, 630 Salem, 557 Pleasant, 89 Pearl, etc. It would be monthly, but other ones are weekly, especially if it's an individual um, consumer of Mystic Valley. They could be getting it weekly. And Mystic Valley, I'd say about 60% of our deliveries are directly um, referred by their case managers. But then we get referrals from other agencies and healthcare providers like Cambridge Health Alliance, or people can self-refer. As long as you are um, elderly, disabled, unable to get out and come to the pantry, we can deliver to you. Or if you're COVID quarantined, we'll Mm -hmm. deliver for the two weeks and extended if needed. Now, you mentioned uh, you, you deliver, uh, depending on the situation, on a different, different program. Monthly or weekly. Yeah. Do you have people who come to you for, for food? and they? Uh, well, that's the vast majority. Yes. So I'm saying that, you know, maybe um, 900 a month we're doing deliveries if you're elderly or disabled or COVID quarantined. But at our Malden Pantry, we're serving, you know, uh, uh, you know, 150 on average uh, families twice a week and and we've been serving during covid you could come from any city now we have gone back to our more restricted guidelines so 13 cities will serve and you can come once every four weeks unless it's an emergency so the oh that's the majority of the ones that we serve so that's probably the equivalent of 600,000 meals in a year we distribute through the, our Malden pantry. And you said you do a million, a million in total for a year? Yeah. yeah. You used to have um, a site up on Main Street. Uh, oh, in yeah. the, I would Sometimes when I would be driving by, I would see the people lined up, and that was a much smaller operation uh, than, than what you're doing now. Yeah, so you go way back, Ed. So yeah, that's, that's, boy, that's true. Just like me. <laughs> Just like me, you go way back. So I'll just give a little of that evolution. So for years, after Bread of Life Incorporated and moved out of St. Paul's Parish, we just moved down the street and we rented 511 Main Street. And we were there from 1993, the year after we incorporated as a nonprofit, until 2013. Okay, we were there for a long time. And we kept expanding. We were at 511, then eventually we rented uh, 509, and then we rented 507. And you would see people lined up for our pantry. And the meal program was still at different churches. Well, we were always bursting at the seams. Not enough room, not the right facilities for what we were doing. I mean, we were storing food you know in those locations and then at the baptist church where we had the meals so we started looking for a a place so that we could build our own facility and we looked with our partner tri-city community action program that was right up the street here at 110 pleasant street and uh we figured you know we'd get a a, do a combined project where we'd have a, a central place for our meals and all our pantry programs, and they could build affordable housing. So we really started looking, I'm going to say 2007. If Tom Fagley, the original director of Bread of Life, was here, he would know exactly because he and Philip Brontadjuru went out and started scouting places at least by 2007, if not earlier. Um, And we eventually found... 54 Eastern, and I think your signage was still in there for Lucy Insurance. Nicely done, the, the, the front building there right off of um, Eastern Ave, as you say, across from Dunkin' Donuts. So we bought it with TriCap. We moved in, and we started doing uh, all our pantry programs there. We still kept the meal at different facilities, and, and that's always been a problem. We're still today 
at First Baptist Church, right next, you know, right in the square, uh, four nights a week, 5.30 p.m., Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. But for years, we were at St. Paul's. At, at one point, we were at the Center Methodist Church, which was then bought to become the Senior Center. Uh, we'd been at the American Legion, which was then torn down to make a, a shared, you know, a, a co-housing project. You bring bad karma to these places. <laughs> We were at the Salvation Army, and there was a flood. Uh, yeah, maybe it was <laughs> we. At one point, we even served outside at the old city hall because we had no place to to serve the meal. No, was the Nazarene Church? Is that also uh, one time was site for a meal? I, I'm trying to remember. I uh, know, but the, you know the Nazarene Church is very active, and they would usually hold their own little Thanksgiving dinner. Okay. Now, Bread of Life has had this huge dinner every year, um, and mainly at Malden High School, I which is where I we had it last there, year. And ago. Christmas, we yeah, have yeah. one there, yeah, which is done with the temples, and um, right. especially Temple, now Teveret Shalom and Peabody, yeah. uh, the crew that used to be down here on Salem Street at um, Teveret Israel. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so w- that was the driving force, is get everything under one roof, which is the name of our project. So uh, you'd say, well, 2014, and we're still getting ready to build. You know, a lot of things happened. Tricap folded, which was uh, nobody could even believe would ever happen. Um, and somehow Philip was able to help us find a, a new developer to help us move the forward, the project forward, which was uh, Mark Slotnick, fantastic guy, huge housing experience as a, with the state. Uh, very, very smart, uh, energetic guy. I don't think I've met anybody with his mind as active as him. And we brought in new architects, uh, redesigned the project, of course, numerous permitting and so on. Um, and as you mentioned, it is uh, it was the site of Volpe Construction. So as part of our agreement with the city and with the Historical Commission, we're having um, the final project. This is going to be lovely we have a, a monument to John Volpe uh, commemorating, you know, he was an Italian-American businessman, a family man, um, and not only the things you mentioned, but he actually also was a secretary of transportation at the federal level. Uh, so he did a lot, and he was homegrown from, uh, you know, Malden, you know, I think first-generation Italian-American. Um, so we'll have a monument to him and a little pathway that will be permanent public easement. So it's a permanent uh, p- pathway from Eastern Ave to the bike path. Those are the two ends of our site. And it'll have some stations on it and provide access to the public uh, through through the site, through this Volpe Way is what it'll be called. And those will be a little park at the Eastern Ave site, a little park at the bike path site, and then a little cafe, we'll have a cafe area. Uh, and all our programs, our new dining hall, our commercial kitchen, uh, we got help from the uh, the uh, contractors of Frank DePasquale of Fratelli's on Encore Boston Harbor. One of our board members had a connection to him, and so he um, gave us his kitchen design crew to help us design our kitchen. Nice. So we had top, top-level people working on this project, and we've already been amassing uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars of, uh, worth of equipment uh, paid for by the state Federal Food Security Infrastructure Grant that we got from the state to, um, to, uh, for all the equipment in that kitchen. It's being stored in a warehouse um, until we have construction. For anybody that might be interested to consider running for public office, don't get discouraged because if I, if my memory serves me correctly, um, John Volpe, who who uh, we've just mentioned, ha- attained national prominence. Mm-hmm. I think at one time uh, when he lived in Malden, ran for the school committee and didn't win. Uh, uh, that might have been. A, a, I didn't a, know that. Well, I, I, some of the, the, there are very few people that go back far enough that would actually remember that. Uh, maybe nobody would because of the age. Uh, the time has passed, but. Uh, and I, I think I, he was governor twice of Massachusetts, but I don't think it was sequential. I think that he's there's there was a term in between. 
I could be wrong about that. It was twice in the 60s he was governor. I think you you'd advanced to the next plateau because I think <laughs> you're right. <laughs> and I'm, if I think long enough, maybe I can remember who, 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 who was one of the in-between yeah. times. But That's right. you, you got to stick with it. It, 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 we've had so much happen in life in the last couple of years with the, with the COVID virus, and yet, uh, in some ways, the people that live on the margin probably have in, been, been impacted more than any other group because of the of the things that have happened that prevented them to access to the kinds of services that they need. And we, now, with fast forward for two years, are you finding that? You see in daylight more uh, that uh, you're able to uh, do more things or there were, there were things that you weren't able to do during those two years that were part of your programs before that? In other words, we couldn't get together with groups and therefore sometimes the meal programs, will they continue even in spite of the, the difficulties? Yeah, I mean, in March 2020, we switched everything to grab-and-go. Yeah. And the pantry still is, but that's also constrained by the fact that we're renting this site at 109 Madison, and there is not room to go inside. Right. As there was at 54 Eastern, patrons could actually come in and, and, and look at the things and say if they wanted oranges. You know, there was some client selection. Um, at it, Just because of our space right now, this temporary space, we can't do that. So we're still grab-and-go. Um, Everett Mobile Market, I mentioned, is grab-and-go, and we've kept that. I think you know I have to say with um, because it's been two years doing this, some of the patrons of this program, maybe the majority, have gotten used to doing it this way. I think the meal, especially so. In September, we said you can come back inside to eat, and most of the uh, patrons don't. They still prefer to pick up the boxed meal and the and the goodie bag that has fruit and and juice and dessert and so on, and and take it home to their family. I think it's the somewhat the clientele has changed just because people have not been going out for two years. And uh, let's face it, many people are still not ready. There's still many, especially vulnerable people, people with health problems, senior citizens that would come to the meal um, are not ready to sit down and socialize. So we've, we're continuing for the, with this model. Now when our building is built, we will have what we call the superette. It will be like going into a little grocery store, and it will be complete client choice. You'll be able to look at um, the freezer units, the refrigerator units, just like if a supermarket, the non-perishables, the produce, the fruit, and the bakery, and to, you know the dairy, everything, and to pick. And it would just be indicated for your family size how much you can take. And then you'll check out, so to speak, without money. Um, and, you know, during COVID, we went from serving maybe 8,500 people, unduplicated, if you just counted them one time, um, a year in 2019 to 24,000 in 2020. So it was it was huge. Whenever I think about it, I get choked up because, I mean, every all the staff and volunteers, everybody was to the wall. It was... It was it was alarming, but it also was so wonderful to, to see people coming yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Now the numbers have started coming down, but they're still not at the pre-COVID levels. They're like halfway down, or a little more than halfway. So, and I, as you said, a lot of communities, and we've heard a lot about this, this uh, BIPOC communities and people who are working at, you know, maybe two, three jobs at, at, you know, minimum wage or just a little bit higher. Um, they were really hit. You know, they couldn't afford not to be working when the COVID restrictions came. All the restaurant closures, all the everything, everything that happened across the economy where there were so many that if you, unless you could work remote, that was great. But for the people who couldn't, who'd been doing all these basic services, that was really hard. And immediately, people were in, in big trouble. You, you mentioned 13 communities you're active in uh, on your program. That we serve with the, uh, our pantries. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, um, do each of those communities, you mentioned Everett, as for instance, in the, earlier in the conversation, do each of those communities have their own program and you kind of are involved in their program? Or how, how does that work? Are they relying no, on you? No. Um, not each each of the communities 
they do have their own food programs. Absolutely. Everett has other food programs. They have the um, Pantry of Grace. They have, you know, Elliott uh, uh, Family Center. I understand that during COVID, a lot of organizations that really had never been in the food pantry business got into it because it was just, it was became the number one need was food. So a whole slew of organizations got involved. Um, how many will stay involved? I don't know. I guess it depends on their resources. But the programs that we're running, for example, in Everett, um, grocery delivery, that's, you know, Bread of Life does that. We get grants for that. And we get, um, we have a contract with Mystic Valley Elder Services for their consumers. The Everett Backpack Project, um, we get funding from the city through the Everett Citizens Foundation, which is um, Encore Casino Mitigation Money. Um, the uh, Everett Mobile Market, we get funding through the city from Community Development Block Grants. So we, and, and we're, it's all to serve those Everett residents. Well, consi considering what's been in the newspaper lately about Everett, any good press they get is desperately needed because <laughs> I heard about that. Some people brought that to my attention from our board, and I said, "Well, you know, we're you know, bread of life has been you know independent. We apply for grants and get funded by the city or not, and they've been we we've been funded to do something, some kind of food service for Everett residents since two thousand and eight yeah. by the city. No, they have been good." Um, and, and of course, other cities. I mean, Melrose, uh, the mayor's office has given us uh, funds at different times in the past, in past years, and we do do some deliveries. And any of these cities, they can send people to us. Uh, Malden has been hugely generous for our uh, building project. When it, when it comes right down to it, for our you know, $11 million project, uh, Malden will have put in a, a 1.3 million through community development block grant, community preservation uh, committee funds for the pocket parks and the Volpe Way. Um, I'm forgetting other things. Uh, oh, ARPA funds. They just committed uh, $700,000 in ARPA funds that came from the from the federal government and through the state yeah. to our building project. And they helped us buy a truck that we really needed just when during the height of COVID. We have a brand new truck. Our old one is 2001. And uh, they committed city. It uh, almost predates you. <laughs> community <laughs> development block. We're not turning you in for yeah. something. But <laughs> It'll happen. 20 year old uh, vehicles. But kind yeah, of a for a $90,000 <laughs> truck. Yeah. So they have been a fantastic partner. I mean, we can't say enough about um, Alex Pratt, Alexis Turgeon, um, Debbie Burke, the director, for, and the Mayor Christensen, of course, just uh, keeping the food security issues in mind and, um, you know, really considering that. And, uh, and, of course, they've been benefiting so many other initiatives in Malden. It's been fantastic. Yeah. The uh, the building fund or the building program. When did you uh, started thinking in terms of, uh, of of a new site to do what you need to accomplish? Well, that's what I was mentioning when I said I wish Tom were here, Tom Fagley. I think he and Philip Brunner-Drew, the director of uh, TriCap, probably started looking in two thousand and six. Seriously, because well, we were so cramped at five eleven Main Street. And, and uh, when you started getting ready to, to plan that, how far back was that? Well, we per we actually purchased the building with TriCap in, um, in 2014. And, and, and we went in there, and we, we, we first rented for a year, 2013. We started running our programs there. And then we really thought within a few years we'd be ready. But in 2014, the year we bought the building, is when TriCap folded and that really put everything in the delay because then there were a lot of legal procedures and all kinds of things that tied us up because we were in a legal you know a, a, an LLC with TriCap in this project 
So now, you know, that all had to, that took some few years for that to get worked out. We, we couldn't do anything. What was the original budget forecast for your building? Oh, boy. I mean, I'm going to say it probably was half what it is now. And the latest thing, thank you for bringing that up, because we really thought we were going to build in 2019. We thought we were going to build in 2020. Um, then we had COVID. <laughs> we thought we'd be starting construction by the end of 2021. Uh, it's been nerve-wracking. Uh, what happened at the end of um, the last months of 2021 is our uh, uh the general contractor that we'd been working with to price the project, we had had a working estimate that people thought was reasonable that was for $6 million in construction. And when he finally got his bids back from his subcontractors, it was $9 million. $9 million. So we said, you know, this this is not workable. We rebid, Stop the pencil. We rebid the project, and, and uh, we selected a bid for $8 million. So we still had to raise, Bread of Life had to raise a million, uh, Metro North Housing Corp, our partner, had to raise uh, a million something. I can't remember exactly what the divide was. So that's when we went to the city and asked for ARPA funds, and we went to our bank to ask for a bigger loan. And uh, we waited to hear from the bank. We got the ARPA funds, so at this point, I'm really hoping, I hate to say it, I'll just say that I hope that we you'll see demolition of Eastern Ave this summer and the foundation in before the winter because we'd like to put that in before we get winter conditions and then start building through the winter because then the work people can be in there. Um, and uh, I'd like to see us moving in there in the fall of 2023. Well, that's uh, considering what you've gone through, that's not so <laughs> far away. <laughs> I know. Now we're really, 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 really at the end. Yeah. So uh, yeah. it's incredible. I just trust in God every day. I'm like, you know, without your help, Lord, this isn't going to go anywhere. So that keeps me at peace. It's not in my hands. There's so many things. Well, just think of what happened. You know, tricap folding, um, COVID. Uh, you know, I mean, just is like one thing after another. <laughs> The historical commission approval and oh, so many things. But uh, Gary Christensen, the mayor, told me several years ago. He said, "Perseverance is the name of the game with development." You know, just you, stick with it. You, you, you um, do you find the uh, profile of the people you you're helping now different than the ones when you first uh, joined uh, Bread of Life? Well, that's over 20 years yeah, ago, 30 I mean, years ago, uh, it's right over 40 years ago for the Bread of Life started. Yeah, yeah because, it, of course, it started as the meal program, and you had some homeless, and you had people in rooming houses. You actually, into the 90s, we had we had Gulf War veterans. Again, you wouldn't, and I remember this, but in the 90s, we had Gulf One, we had Gulf Two, right? We had guys returning from service, veterans, with post-traumatic stress, homeless. There were um, many times of crisis in the meal program because of who we were seeing. People in real um, very, very difficult circumstances. So, right, the rooming houses were all but eliminated. There's very few left. Um, there is there is some very good quality ones left, including one um, run by Metro North, North Housing Corp. Very, very good project. Uh, but, again, people who were in development might remember this. There was actually a moratorium on the um, conversion of rooming houses into condos because it was a, it was a crisis. Where are lower-income people going to live? And that's still what's happening. So I think uh, a common denominator is that, you know, housing costs... Uh, prices for rental and purchase have had severe pressure as long as I've lived in Boston. It goes up, it goes down. Right now, you know, it, until the most recent um, inflationary period, it was, you know, it was still going wild. I mean, people were selling houses and for over what they were asking. Well, you much know. of that has come, even, it's even calmed in spite down. of the higher rate of interest. Uh, 
there is still a uh, demand for property today, but uh, in spite of the added in cost. In spite of the yeah. inflation, yeah. So that causes tremendous pressure on people at the um, lower in the income end. Uh, working people, again, people working multiple jobs, people trying to rent. You know that over half the people in Malden are renters. So, um, and I'm sure a lot of them would like to be homeowners. Uh, and again, the city has uh, programs for that, and there are they're working on getting more things in place to help. Uh, so all of that may, means pressure on, you know, is there any way that you could save funds and other things? So that's where we get people coming. We do see a lot of senior citizens. We see working people uh, who are trying to piece things together between having their hours cut here and seeing if they could pick up a lift job here, you know, Uber or something. Can they work, you know, in retail and uh, things that are not high-wage-paying jobs. You, um, you mentioned uh, some of the sources of the, of the money coming from uh, uh, for the development of your property uh, change over on Eastern Avenue, but that's a long way for the th $8 million you think it's going to cost. And sometimes it's cost overrun, too. There's inflation sometimes is a factor, and occasionally... Uh, you, you, you end up, uh, the weather doesn't work in your favor, or there's complications in, in, the, in the final process. Uh, the primary source of, of um, the money for, for your project in the future, where, 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 where would that be coming from? Uh, what do you mean our project in the future? Well, in other words, over the course of the next year and a half, you, you, you're going to need $8 million in some form, either in a form oh, of a Oh, no, no. It's, uh, the reason... Um, one of the reasons, I've mentioned several others, but one of the reasons it's taken us a long time to do the project is that we've been uh, accumulating the money. Commitments of grants and pledges that organizations, foundations, and individuals have been paying, are paying, or have already paid. Um, our philosophy all along um, driven by our project manager, Alice Kraft, who's a, a brilliant, you know, a extremely capable person that's built a lot of affordable housing projects, um, is not to build until all funds are committed or in hand. So we have a building fund that's really actually just cash sitting in a money market account that we've, every time we put it out, out an appeal for our, our campaign, our under one roof campaign, the money goes in there. And then we have funders like the Baird Foundation that's already paying on their pledge of 250000 The uh, Donovan Family Foundation already paying on their pledge. Beth Israel Senior Citizens Housing, um, Inc., already paying on their pledge. Uh, the Brandon uh, Family in Melrose already paid uh, a, a, a huge pledge to the project. And then we have other ones that are still outstanding. And I'm going to say at this point, a rough guess, I'd say there's probably 600 individuals, corporations, churches, and foundations that have already um, given us funds or pledged. So we have a big foundation of support. And uh, the reason we're about to build now is once we hear from our bank, we will have all the funds that we need. And the budget is set up so you have those contingencies built in, construction contingencies, that it's actually a padding so that you have the, you know that you got the money. So that the complete budget is there. Well, that's um, probably as ideal as you can possibly make it because sometimes when you, uh, you're dealing with pledges in the future for various reasons. Uh, things change with people and organizations, and therefore, the yeah, you I'm don't happy to say yeah. that um, other than one one particular one I can think of, um, we're not in that position. Well, that's great. People have already been paying, yeah. and um, we're ready to go. Yeah, we wouldn't start this without it in hand. We're not going to be starting something without the ability to to fund to finish it. Oh no, once we start, it's happening. Yeah, y you. Um, the, the, 
once you've, you've developed a property uh, in, on, on Eastern Avenue, are you still going to be in Madison Street as well? No, no. We'll immediately give that up. That's just temporary. Oh, it is. Then yeah, we move yeah. into our new Because that's a good size site as it is. Yes, but it's not. As I said, it's not adequate. We can't even get people in there. Yeah, well, I can't even have an office there. That's why my office is at Commercial Street. Yeah. We couldn't even feel it fit an extra office into Madison. But it's it's nice. It's clean. It's a big rectangle. Yeah. Everybody's fair to, you know, barricaded their space. There's the Everett Pantry. Here's the backpacks. Here's the meal program. Everybody's uh, <laughs> uh, protecting their little space for their food and volunteers. Yeah. Some of the products that you get, you get to, to provide to people, are they donated? You mentioned, the, I think, the Boston Food Bank. is. is yeah, so we're a strategic partner of the Boston Food Bank. Uh, well over 95% of our food we pick up there and we're one of the, so we're in the top 10% of um, distributors of food of from the food bank so we sh we shop there we just pay a, a basically a, a shared maintenance fee that like all the m uh, members do that um, helps run the the food bank and so big corporations donate there and um, you know the big supermarkets teddy peanut butter so we pick up pallets of food you know uh, seven uh, tons more per pickup twice a week and we bring or seven sorry seven thousand pounds per pickup at least and then we take food from all other places individuals businesses caterers restaurants uh oh so so many uh i, I would I don't want to mention some i'll leave ones out but local local markets local restaurants you know whether well i mean the dockside bobby c's uh la cuchara i mean so many have helped us um i think all seasons we've just had so so many so many cornucopia has been great um yeah pizza uh, um, pizza so we do we get so much help um and I do want to mention, because I don't know how we're doing on time, is that, you know, Bread of Life, we have 16 staff, most of whom are part-time, and we still run, as we always have, on volunteers. And every program that I've mentioned, the pantries, the meals, the backpacks, the grocery delivery, is looking for volunteers. Sometimes the volunteers come from the people that benefit from the program Absolutely. because they find out that they can give back that way, where, uh, but, but at Thank the same you. time, how it's would volunteers huge. fit into your program? How, how are they needed, and what kind of things would they mm -hmm. be? Are you looking for? Basically, Monday through Friday, <clears throat> often in the afternoons, but Thursday actually we start at eight thirty. Uh, Monday through Friday, you c uh, most of the volunteers would go to the warehouse, one hundred nine Madison. Eileen Mullen is uh, our volunteer coordinator. And all of this is listed, and there's a volunteer opportunities uh, page at our website, breadoflifemalden.org, um, and people can email Eileen. They can also come during Monday through Friday afternoons and just say, I'm here, and they'll get signed up. So your um, Tuesday's a big day for the meal program and for all the pantry programs because that's when we get our biggest food delivery from the food bank, and there's a lot of prep going on. So um, you would, could be unloading a truck. Depends on your abilities. Um, shelving food, sorting food, could be cleaning. You could be bagging groceries. Um, you could be helping to prep the uh, grocery delivery boxes. You could be delivering the groceries. I think we need people, especially Wednesdays and Thursdays, to actually deliver. We have a van, but people sometimes just do it with their own car. And they have a little delivery route, like this is what it is in Melrose, or this is what it is in Chelsea, or Malden, or Everett. Those are our biggest ones. Uh, you could be making up the backpacks for the Everett schools, um, little string backpacks holding eight pounds of food. Uh, also in the evening, 3.30 to 7, we have uh, volunteers going to the meals program. Again, by arrangement with the coordinator, and her contact information is on the website also. Uh, the meals coordinator. Um, so it is a variety. There are opportunities for people if you um, uh, can't stand. There's things you can do seated. 
We have wonderful uh, coordinators in the pantry too, like McKay and Terry, that can find a job that's appropriate too. We have groups that come back in that are actually disabled students and disabled um, adults that are able to do um, various projects uh, in the pantry. So we, t we are a place where people can use their skills, uh, whatever it is that they're able to do. But you mentioned you, your, your entire staff is, uh, did you say 16 people? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And some of them are not full-time? Most of them. That's amazing. There's actually three full-time. So uh, volunteerism is a, is a critical is need. I mean, it was always uh, in the ballpark of 500 volunteers a year. Um, through uh, We have whole groups that volunteer at the meals. Uh, but constantly, right now, this past few weeks and right now is lots of students coming in to do end-of-the-year volunteer requirements of all different. I mean, Malden High, um, Arlington Catholic, um, Mystic Valley Charter School. I mean, just so many um, kids coming in. And sometimes we get college kids, too. And I think we're going to have the uh, the city of Malden uh, youth employment program. I'm pretty sure we're going to try to get some kids uh, from that also. So we're using lots and lots of kids. But then that will dry, dry up immediately, you know, when summer uh, comes. So we are definitely can use volunteers for all of our programs. And we'll look at what your interests and abilities are and, and match you up. Eileen will Mullen will be helping with that, and the coordinators in the programs. Uh, um, the w one thing that I have um, in a m most more modest way, people go shopping as they often have to do at the supermarket, end up with paper bags, and now the decision is after you do something, and they there's always this theme about recycling. I, I bring my bags of bread alive. Thank you. We use them. And, That's and, right. Um, do, you, do you still need bags from people? Yeah. And, still, yes. So that would have brought down the Madison Street? Yes, Madison Street. And yeah. uh, the, the shopping bags um, are, the, are the ones that probably, the, the, the larger size ones, not the small yeah. ones. Yeah, right. A bigger size right. bag. Yeah. bag. Yeah. And we'll put, like, produce in that and things. Right. Uh, like a produce bag, let's use one of those, and we, then we put it in the grocery box for delivery, for example. Um, some of the times we're still using plastic. I don't know what's going to happen with the plastic ban, which I'm completely in favor of. Um, but when you have grab-and-go, it's very difficult when you have wet items, frozen and refrigerated items, because the paper bags disintegrate almost um, immediately. Uh, it makes it very hard. So I don't know exactly what's going to happen to that. I'm interested to see what happens to that whole discussion and whether um, we'd be able to move to reusable bags. Um, it's difficult with the COVID. You know, it's, it's, very, it's a thorny issue because if people have their own bags, what does that mean in terms of, you know, sanitary uh, considerations? And you can't do pre-packing if somebody brings their own bag. So there's a lot of issues. What we've been doing is we'll have the food available, and then some people immediately repack it right at the site. The customer comes in, they get the food, and then they have a cart that they're going to walk home with, and they'll immediately repack things. So uh, th that's a good way of, have, of doing things. Mm. The other thing, I, and I don't know whether that's feasible, uh, um, that if we, you, you spoke about plastic bags, if um, sometimes organizations or maybe private businesses as, a, as a, an effort with community service or just being generous um, with their they, they, uh, uh, plastic bag could be, be, let's say, manufactured in whatever form is required and they could import a business on the bag and mm -hmm, maybe make mm -hmm, donations mm -hmm. of the bag to your organization. And that that would be good because actually we're now purchasing them. Yeah. We purchase them by the case, so that would save money, definitely. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and so that way they, they could do two things. And one is they could be, make Advertise a generous gesture and, and they get some uh, public absolutely. exposure. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and a tax and, deduction. And uh, one of our <laughs> companies actually, Eaton Vance, um, through one of our top donors, uh, they he donated uh, a, a bunch of um, reusable bags that were imprinted, and uh, those were wonderful also. 
Um, the problem is we, we we don't end up getting them back, but um, you know reusable bags are yeah. great. As I said, I'm a big favor of eliminating plastic of any kind because, you know, it turns out that even though they say things are recyclable, um, having an end use for plastic products is difficult. It's like, yes, you can recycle something, but if there's no market for the recycled product, then reality doesn't happen. Yeah. And we know there's a big problem with plastics in the environment yeah. uh, and micro uh, particles and so on. So. I'm just hoping we're able to come up with a better solution as things as we come out of COVID completely, and and also in a in the future environment. I mean, in our new building, we've already built in that there's going to be a lot of circulation space space in our new pantry superette. Uh, there's going to be re refillable water stations instead of fountains, um, touchless entry. We're already building in a, um, you know, you might say a. Um, post-pandemic uh, environment that um, should anything arise in the future of any kind, that you have more of uh, the circulation and the sanitary conditions already in mind of how you could deal with that. P people that um, are able to use your source as a support for their situation, is there some sort of a screening, or is it people just can come by and, and uh, at your site on the scheduled times and be given the products that you have available? During COVID, we went to no applications because of um, sanitary considerations and also because the need was so huge. We, we, we just couldn't even accommodate doing applications. Now we've returned to applications for uh, the Everett, um, well, for Everett Pantry, Malden Pantry, Grocery delivery, there's there's a, you know, you're either referred and you, you have a declaration form. You, you have to live in a certain city and meet certain criteria about being elderly or disabled or COVID quarantined. So, yes, the short answer is yes, there now is, you know, application forms for these programs. Uh, the meal program never had an application, and I don't think it ever will. It's uh, basically anonymous. We do a head count, and, and anybody can come to it. Um, but the other programs uh, all have applications, um, and the Everett Backpack Project is really what we're really doing is supplying the bags to the various schools that we serve, the Lafayette, the Whittier. Um, Pollen. Pollen, thank you. <laughs> thank you. And then the staff there, the principals, the counselors, distribute them yeah. to the students that they've identified as needing food. So <laughs> we don't collect information. Yeah, I th one of my neighbors has been a volunteer over and ever for years, and I, re I recall sometime back in talking with her that she indicated oh. that there is a, a, an ID program. There's a card that they have available to it when the people come for, this, for the benefit that they're going to get. Yeah, once you sign up and apply... We have um, a member ID card. You get a member number, and then when you show come to get your food the next time, you just show the card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, one thing about the bags, and I mean, I can only talk from my own experience. I when I when I drop them off on Madison Street, there's a door you go in. I don't know if they're even the right door, but it's not open. The inner door, you have to knock, and uh, without too long a period of time, some of them come and open the door, and I just give them the bag. I don't know if that's the system you you prefer. Or Ed, thank you, because <laughs> we just were talking about this today. Thank you. Um, our building, which we're renting, uh, 109, um, has this main glass entry that has a keypad entry. So, of course, nobody I see, yes. can add that, enter, unless they know the code. All the food comes into the right. So what we just talked about today is trying to develop much more prominent siding, signage so that people will see that all donations can come in through the right-hand door, which the um, the only owner, Louis Barreto, put in for us. It's, a, it's where all our food comes in, so it's wide enough for a pallet. All our deliveries come. When you look at the building, you don't even see that door. You have to walk to the right. So we're working on signage. And thank you for bringing it up because it's, yeah, because it's a go, problem. I'm going the wrong it's door. It's a problem, right. <laughs> the front door is not going to do you any good. There's not even a bell. Yeah. It's purely made for people, the 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 uh, tenants of the building to have access. So, right, it's a, it's a, that's a problem. And then if nobody happens to, to be there, there are shelves. There are, are these carts that are multi-level where you can put food. 
Uh, so we're yes, we're trying to really make the signage much more prominent. So thank you for bringing that up because it's it's definitely been an issue. And um, you know, we did move in last summer, but it's 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 taken us a while to just uh, really you know figure out how to get the best use out of the building. So. Yeah, thank you. And by, by the time you have it all down to uh, a total efficiency, we'll be, you'll we'll be, be, we'll be, be, be moving out. <laughs> <I know. laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, your website, uh, why don't you give it one more time? For, because yeah. in terms of people that may see the show that think maybe they could volunteer in some way, sometimes the easiest way to start, if you can go on the computer, and then you can kind of communicate and, and, and make it an easier Look way to try and make it... Uh, where you fit in and what you can do yeah. to benefit yourself and convenience yourself, and more important, yes. help a very deserving organization. Thank you. Yeah, it's breadoflifemalden.org. Remember to put in the Malden there, breadoflifemalden.org. And there's a volunteer opportunities page, and um, um, I think uh, get, getting involved. And then we also have two uh, job postings for our meals program assistant, and our delivery program assistant, and we haven't been able to fill that. We're either one. We've been in the same position as many businesses. Um, I Is will say, are they full time? No, they're both part time. And uh, you know, we've got had some interest in people who either doing another job on the side or uh, only have you know have only have certain hours during the day or in school. Our our current meals assistant was in was at school, so she had in. Um, actually studying to become a physician, so uh, which she now is. So that's why we're trying to fill that. But I will say in our defense, when we, we're looking at how can we compete with all Amazon and all these places trying to hire, I think what keeps people at, at Bread of Life uh, staff is, um, and we've had great um, longevity with staff, is the fulfillment. You know, you get to do something that really has a positive impact for people, and that's a, it's a great feeling. I guess that's why I've been there for 34 years or whatever. I mean, you, you get a lot back from it. That's what keeps our volunteers coming. That's what keeps our staff there. Well, that would, I think, be reflective of longevity because, as you said, um, uh, as a practical matter, those positions that uh, – Serve the public oftentimes don't make you rich, but there's a there's an element of, of wealth that you get in the satisfaction of what you're able to do for people. Exactly. A, a couple of other quick things from my end. Uh, if if uh, you're when we're talking about fundraising, there are occasions where sometimes people have a, a, mo a modest means would like to help out, and and this would be an organization where anything would be appreciated if you if mm. you have a, a, able to make a donation in. In, in money. The other thing that also is part of that is that I know from my own uh, experience when Tom was involved with an administrator mm -hmm. at the holiday season that they would take, um, you could donate gift cards which people could then use to go to the grocery stores and do yes. the kinds of things that you, yeah. you needed to do extra during the holidays and, and they, you could do that with a modest gift card or whatever you were able to afford and so it'd, Thank be, you. it'd be helpful to uh, the organization and equally as important, you'd get that sense of uh, sharing in a time of need for other people. So I th I On can't. our donate p uh, page at the website, breadoflifemalden.org, is uh, a list of in-kind donations, all the food products that we especially need, and uh, non-food, like toiletries, toothbrushes, yeah, all that stuff, very expensive, yeah. shampoo. And then also a donate button, so you could donate to our building project or to the food programs. Uh, we're still collecting money for the building project, obviously, um, so that we don't have to, hopefully, you know, if we could pay off our loan earlier, that would be great. <laughs> uh, but also we, um, the job descriptions are listed there, too, if anyone's interested in, in um, looking at those. So that's all at the website. Well, yeah, th so that gives you a lot of a lot to think about the, for the public that is listening to the show. Uh, again, and I just want to reemphasize: if you have any question, you have some interest or some uh, some inquiry about what we've talked about today, or, or how you think you might be able to help, the email address is info at breadoflifemalden.org. Thank you very much. And Thank good luck you, and Ed. That's <laughs> great. Thanks for having me on. Wonderful. Yeah. 
We, um, we, we'll look forward for the dedication, by the way. That's a, we'll say the target date is the fall of 2023, which seems like a long way off, but it really is. It'll come fast. You know, in fact, I think um, uh, that'll be a challenge, considering <laughs> that uh, you sometimes have to deal with complications and early to ensure that you don't anticipate it. Absolutely. Absolutely.